Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. To the Paula Price Show. I am not Paula Price, <laughs> but I am of the tree, of the fruit, of the vine, of the intercollaboration. Ne- you know, okay, I'm a Paula Price. Welcome to the Paula Price Show. And we are here. Dr. Price is here, okay? She is here this week and she will be on. But we are, I said to her the other day, it's so exciting to have all these broadcasts and these shows with the apostles and the prophets because it's like a network. You know how you have the crossover show? So today we're having a crossover on Monday. <laughs> on Monday, she uh, kicked, no, Tuesday, Tuesday night. We have Prophet Tamira Alexander with uh, the Prophet Circle, and they started and just didn't have time to finish. And so Dr. Price decided to roll it over. I'm like, this is great. This is networking at its best. You could just say, uh, this week in God's Royal Network, crossing over a special episode. <laughs> it's great. Are we live on social media? Okay, so we're going live on social media. I'm talking to cameras that are not on yet, but that's fine. <laughs> this is what I love about live. We have just the most amazing experiences, the authenticity of live. When you're going live, it, it, it's what you got, and you have to roll with it. And so here today we're continuing. There are so many kingdom issues going on in the world right now that need God's voice on the matter. What is God saying? That's what we all say, right, Sonia? That's what we say. What is God saying about uh, kid killing? Because if you tuned in last night, and many people did, because last night's broadcast is well over 3,000 views, if you tuned in uh-huh, to Wednesday Warriors with Chief Prophet Tala Price, we were simulcasting. Again, networking at its best. Simulcasting on various shows. And then, and see, looky, I knew you couldn't stay away. <laughs> simulcasting, and we were addressing the issue of kid killing. We're not calling it abortion here. It's hashtag kid killing because that is what we are doing. We're killing our kids. And paganism rolled that out. Looking fabulous, by the way. <laughs> Pearls of wisdom. Pearls of wisdom. Our From friend. her oyster. <laughs> Our <laughs> friend. <laughs> And, and I mean, Monday, two, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So three days of Wednesday. Yes. And I need, I need a 10 strand. You need, yeah, you just said, oh, wait a minute, we got some ketchup. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at here. And the earrings. So, so just in case you want to know, she's modeling her wisdom. <laughs> you know who's going to wear other jewelry today? Yeah, but pearls of wisdom. Pearls, pearls really <laughs> roped it in and yoked it on. I love it. So, <laughs> we have a rollover, crossover week. In God's Royal Network, with Dr. Paula Price and us. We're just going to say Dr. Paula Price and us. Uh. And, and so last night was uh, dealing with kid killing and the whole mm-hmm. abortion laws mm-hmm. and the ground that the kingdom of God is gaining. Mm-hmm. I love that that piece came out and what we are doing. 
You know, when we get a big studio, we're going to try to hide all the people that help me get no, do what no. I got to do. It's, it's a real good? thing now. It's okay. network television. It's <laughs> new shows. You Woo! see the cameras. You see the people. I need like, my help, baby. See, we're right on time, Dr. See, you know? It is how it is. You'll watch these high, high uh, expensive network shows, and they're going to have, oh, so-and-so is on the camera. Bring you know, my phone Bring my laptop over here. <laughs> you know, so I do. Oh, okay, okay, come on. This is this this is Kitty. She and runs. The, like, Hi, Kitty. Hi, Kitty. After a while, we we just fell in love with Kitty. Kitty is nice. Right. Okay. This Ben. Hey, Ben. Ben has been up with us. How long you been with us? Three days. Come on, Ben. Come on, Ben the cameraman. Ben the cameraman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so now, what was? Thank you, Norma. Who's the VIP? Norma. Norma. Yay. Yes. Yes. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> And then we've got a Rachel. Rachel. And we don't need to hear Rachel. Rachel. Rachel's a big deal because hey. we do, Rachel does everything. And, and when we say everything, we mean we everything. everything. We, we, we praise God for Rachel. And, you know, Rachel, I'll tell you what I like. You know, if you all have been following us, you well, have to move the gavel. the gavel desk. Yeah, because, you know, you got to hit that. You get crazy oh, if you, we don't have you to have to hit it. You know, you always tell me. Yes, I tell you hit it, and then you let me hit it. Yes. A couple times. So I think we got a real understanding. Okay. Um, but okay. Oh, do you want it? Okay. Mm-mm, it's good. All it's right. good. It's just trying to cut up. But that's all right. We got a thing of a bunch. Do you need it? Yes. Okay. It's coming on. Okay. But one of the things that I want to say is that I, you hear me say all the time, I do not have vanity titles. You are not going to carry the title of an apostle. Can I get sorry? And a prophet, not uh, okay, or prophet, and not do something yes. with it. Yeah. And the reason that I require such extensive training and development is because I expect you to do something with it. I expect you to go and extend the brand, extend the model, uh, you know, uh, manifest the calling on your life, and also disseminate the doctrine that we're assigned. So I don't expect you to just get up, you know, I'm not one of those people that's going to run in and say, thus said God, thou be apostle. There you go. And then when you get up, you're already apostle. She has a, <laughs> she has a drama degree, so if y'all see her do stuff like this, trust me, this is poor baby, you know, we got to find some apostolic, uh, you know, uh, entertainment or something for her to do, because she, oh, she passes out. <laughs> okay. It's a project in the works there. And so, so I require that. I don't have uh, vanity labels where we're just going to label you something, slap a label on you simply because. Like, I'm one of those organizations. People don't run up in my organization and tell me who their apostles and prophets are because if I need you to tell me who my kids are, we got a problem. Mm. So they don't run up in here and do that. I don't. I already know I have an assessment to help you find it out. I have an assessment that they must take before I take them seriously. Amen. So... And you know why? Because I'm out for the best of the best for the God of glory. Yeah. You know, we keep saying we want God's best, and you want God's best for your life, and you want God's best to bless your poor or mediocre decisions. That is not what I am. I want this man to win. And as surely as he is the son of the living God, Jesus Christ is going to win this war. As yeah. surely as he is the son of the living God, the resurrected Christ. So I want you to know that when they get, when, when I credential them, they will do something. Just like when you get a credential from any place else, they expect you to do something with that credential. She's not just going to put it on the wall. It's going to look good in her office, and she got plaques all over the place. But 
She's going to stand up here and do something. Many of you all don't understand that when, when God gives you a second and third generational succession of what you're doing, that is to extend your work, not to prop you up. I was, I'm propped up by the Holy Ghost. I have more than enough to affirm who I am and what I'm supposed to be. But she don't work. And so is everybody else. So they all have shows. You've been watching them. They all have shows. Why? They think they finished their training. They've been proven. They've been vetted. And they have proven they've got something to say. Someone said to me this morning, but all your people have something to say. They better. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, huh? You better have, and it better be right. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Let's talk about it being right. So I'm excited about this. So this week I think we got – uh, profiting deal with the kids. Yes. Yay. Profiting this generation. Profiting this generation. She lost this week. Beautiful set. We have sets all over the place. They can't all be, you know, not cookie cutter. Because I like each person's personality yes. to flavor the brand. And each person's perspective to flavor the brand. You know, people have accused me of wanting cookie cutters. I don't. First of all, I don't have a cookie or a cutter. Mm. Hallelujah. Not a cookie or a cutter. My folk, are you kidding? When they start acting like their identity lost, I stop and halt. I need the flavor that God put you in the planet to give. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he could have just had one Jesus and that's it. You know, Jesus himself wanted 12 apostles, so we know he wanted 12 flavors of apostleship, even one devil. Somebody got to be the I devil. Didn't have choice. You know, somebody got to be the devil. Who's going to take care of the devil's kids if we don't have a devil? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so somebody got to be the devil. Okay. <laughs> That's just the way that rolls. And so we. <laughs> well, he did say, did I not choose? Did I not choose all 12 of y'all? And one of y'all is the devil. You're going to babysit the devil children. So. You got the bad kid. You got the bad kid. We got 12 <laughs> tribes of Israel, and the tribe that God wipes out all together is Dan. Somebody got to be Dan. So we got 12 and 12. That's 24 yeah. in that night. Yeah. And then we got seven churches. Mm-hmm. 24 and 7 is 31. I just want to see if anybody. So we have 31 flavors to the Jesus brand. We do. Isn't that wonderful? There's someone for everyone. It's a flavor for everybody. That's 31 flavors. <laughs> and listen, I like that because that's as long as a month goes. You'll never get a month for 32 days. True. Okay? <laughs> uh-huh. And so I want all flavors. I, when, when I'm developing my leaders, I want all flavors. Okay, so you're the so-and-so and so-and-so. We don't need cookie cutters. The only person who needs cookie cutter who can, is the person who cannot discern diversity mm. and differences. And I need you all to do both. And value it. You taught about, us that. Oh, yeah. And value. back in the day, we were on each other's throats about everything, everything somebody did that was different than us, and it was a pet peeve. And how come they? Why can't they? Oh. <laughs> Dr. Price, I need you all to stop that. Uh. There is a reason for everybody. So that little picky thing that drives you crazy is called quality control. Yes. And, and when I need some quality like, control, oh. I'll call you. Oh. But not until then. Don't run them up. So stop the vision on the jot in the titter. <laughs> and we're not there yet. We're still broad stroking. We're brainstorming. We'll, we'll bring you in later. Uh-huh. Okay. But you really did teach us that what we had deemed as just uh, nuisances and pet peeves mm-hmm. and quirks or actual valuable traits and faculties and resources yes. that when used appropriately and not beaten down by everyone around you, 
had a very strong purpose to fulfill. And I make them appreciate each other's differences. So I don't need you to be a Lone Ranger. I know people think we like that. We don't. No. I don't need you to be a Lone Ranger. I do not need all of y'all doing the same thing because if everybody's doing it, like Paul said that is, everybody is seeing, then who's touching? Right, right. Okay? And if everybody is, is hearing, then who's speaking? So I need us to do the whole thing. So I expect them to do it. Part of the reason that churches have, especially among the prophetic, because uh, I love developing prophets. Ooh, bless God for the for developing prophets. You did. I'm good at it. Yep. I wrote some books on it. <laughs> a couple courses and an assessment. So I'm well able to do this job. But, but part of the problem is that you don't teach people to appreciate each other's, particularly their colleagues' assets. Mm. and attributes. See, we have those things. So what is it that, that you bring that uh, Prophet Adir doesn't bring? Mm-hmm. You know, and I want to know, so how will, you, how will you collaborate with that? How will you coagulate with it? So sometimes, because you, we don't know how to appreciate differences, that we cannot come together and get the fullness of each other. But when we can, even if we don't know what we're doing, and, and, and there's a whole diversity of prophets, and we're off the way, which is rare, because we're always in God's way. But <laughs> we're out the way. Do you know what? The Lord will show you the wonders of it and the, and the benefits of it and the tandem, working in synergy and in tandem. That's a powerful thing. That is my goal, because when we can do that around the planet, around the globe, we will take this thing for the Lord Jesus Christ, because it's prophets who took it first. Yeah, yeah. And when, it's, when we come near the end, the prophets are going to close it out, not even the apostles. Revelation 11 is the prophets. Right. So it started with the prophets. That's why when I hear prophets talking about, yeah, well, I'm elevating to apostleship, but I'm looking at you first of all, I see an apostle spark on you nowhere. That's the first thing. <laughs> um, one, a young man asked me, how do you know? I began to run down the list why he wasn't an apostle. You better get a chair, girl. Oh, no, I have a chair. No chair. Oh, oh, yeah, well, you need to pick that up. And I was a hairpin or something. We leave it down. No, no. It's about the And I began to tell him, you don't see this. You don't witness that. This doesn't speak to you. That doesn't talk to you. Bop, bop, bop. Because they expect you to say, well, the Lord told me. I, I'm, I'm already telling you, I have already documented what the Lord told me about what is and is not an apostle, prophet, or other fivefolder. And so I just, I just recall what I wrote. I don't know why people still ask you that question. Yeah, why uh, do you say, why, why do you continue to ask Dr. Bright? Ask somebody else, yeah. not her, who has written the book that you're trying to throw mm-hmm. back in her face. And, fi- and, and, and anchor it with Scripture. See, I don't just tell you so-and-so. I, don't say, I anchor it with the Word of God because there's a reason why Jesus stayed up all night long to find 12 people. Okay. Wow. All night long. Now, he's the maker of creator of heaven and earth, and he stayed up all night long to decide what 12 out of the throngs that followed him would fit, would literally fit the qualifications and eligibility for his apostleship team. My goodness. Wow. And he, 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 now he had his own opinion, but Jesus knows one thing at this point. He's, he's mortal and divine. Mm-hmm. So he's doing it the way we have to do it. Getting on with that. So I just wanted to share that with you. So, and, and, and that's a, a plug for Price University. Learn today, lead tomorrow. I love that. You know, God gave me that. He said, if they learn today, I'll let them lead tomorrow. 
And so lead, not just lead, take the lead or lead in, but also be the lead in bringing tomorrow into today. Mm. See, that's what prophets do. Prophets bring tomorrow into today. And so when we're dealing with our prophetic people, we have another one of our prophets here, one of our newest prophets here. Uh, when we deal with that, we, I'm letting them know in a minute, I, retrospect is good because prophecy should be 360. Mm-hmm. It should be 360, you know, past, present, future, you know, and all everything in between. So it should be. Three, you know, that threefold cord that's not easily broken, that hub of the cord. So, or, or the not. So, you have to recognize that that's our job. So, if it stuns you as a prophet, we gotta come on, somebody. You and God are not talking, or the God you are working for has not been given an update. Mm. Okay. Update your, your 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 own records, so that's a big deal for me. And and so when I have young prophets, and I I'm so excited about the prophets that we did produce, you know, here at Near, and particularly those here, because they all are, they're keeping the identity of the brand, but they're all spreading the message to their audiences and to the people who have an attraction and affinity to them. Thank you. They're saying my words. And some folks were like, well, I don't know who she thinks she is. I, but I, I, you don't have to know who I think I am. It's, it's, it's important that I know. But can, I, can, I, can, I, I, must know. can I just say, nobody had a problem, or if they did, it didn't matter, quoting Oral, Mm-mm. quoting Hagen, quoting Joyce, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so if you're just not their personal call to them, just leave it alone. Just go on to, hey, I, I have enough. And I'm going to get a lot more. Is this one mine? That is, is yours. On your side? Why is it on your side? Because you're right-handed. Sometimes. Yeah, I know. And so you know, you know how to say yeah. that, too, because you know I'm ambidextrous. She's right-handed sometimes. Yeah. So, <laughs> but the point that I want to make is that it's very vital to me that everything that I credential is, is equipped, not just capacitated, but equipped. Because, see, a lot of people have capacities, but they don't have the equipment, the furnishment that you need, or the armament. Remember, yeah. remember these three things. Don't just pick a school because you get a good education. You want to be mm. capacitated, furnished, and equipped and armed. Capacitated, furnished, equipped, and armed. If you walk out, a lot of these ministry programs, you just get knowledge. Somebody was, you know, they're starting to tell me about all of the great theological schools we are, and I think we got great ones. Bless God that he got them. Keep them all going if they're going to go for him. But a lot of those schools have dropped Jesus. Yes, yes. And they've dropped God. Mm-hmm. So they are now secular universities, meaning secular means existing for the world. Mm. See, because we don't, we don't know what things mean. Existing for the world. So if you want a world education that includes Christian philosophy and theology or doctrine, we're the school for you. Now, if you want a school that's going to make you an image and likeness of Jesus Christ, these secular schools are not going to do it. They started out that way. And so Price University, because I've been with Jesus for 30 years, so the likelihood of me leaving him now is like slim to none. Because mm-hmm. a man has drug me through this and drug me through that, took me through this, broke this, cracked that, shattered this, powder, this, pulverized something else. And then said, now let me put it back together. Ready? Again, good to go. Huh, duh, duh, duh. So Price University is for the person 
who wants to represent and manifest the man, Christ Jesus, not just the Savior of the church. Mm-hmm. Because, see, Jesus was, has been a sovereign longer than he's ever been a Savior. Because his world didn't always need to be saved. So you should know what you should know <laughs> when he had to take on in all of his titles and epithets the word the, the title Savior. Wow. What caused that? Because his world didn't always need to be saved. His world. And if his world had never needed to be saved, this world would never need a savior. So these are just principles that I want to throw out there to make you, to, so you can start saying, well, I don't get that in my education. I don't get that in my schooling. You think you understand salvation? No, you don't. You understand how to lead somebody to salvation. You don't understand what made this man have to. And, and so we can talk about that as we go on. But we do go to priceuniversity.org, learn today, lead tomorrow, and find out if there's something there for you. We are unique in that we offer a specific Profit program that will degree you to do what you do. Most places, if you're going to get a, 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 a dedicated, concentrated prophetic program, you're going to have to go to a church or a conference or a meeting or something like that. Because when you go to schools, the schools that you want to get prepared for a career, you're not going to find a profit program in there. You're going to find a century profits which is a historical uh, and a traditional view, scope of, the, of, of prophets in the Bible and their history. It's going to tell you the history of the prophets, going to give you some how to read the prophetic writings, but it's not going to help you fulfill your calling as a career prophet. Right. Or as an apostle. We here at Price University do that and the other. So you're going to learn 8th century, and you'll learn what Jeremiah did, and you'll get all of that climate, a little bit of that Judaic background that we think is going to make you a prophet. You did all of that. But Price University developed specific, a career-specific program for prophets and apostles. And it includes that, so don't, you know, don't get that, we, you know, one thing we're not is myopic. I know people like to think I am, but I'm not. And so you get a comprehensive thing, finding out where the prophet belongs in secular society. Yeah, that's good. You know, even when they say marketplace, I'm like, marketplace is one spot. Yeah. So we want to, you can't call government marketplace, because you, well, you could, but in, in, in the classic sense of the word, uh-huh. you can't buy and sell government products, mm. politicians. So there has to be another thing. So that the, the career profit in secular society has a very different makeup, view, perspective. And the reason why it's important now, because a lot of profits should be in government by now, and they're not, not just in marketplace, should be in education. All of this collapse that we're seeing has to do with the profits standing in presbytery lines trying to get a 10-second word off. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. <clears throat> It's not, we don't have a lot of the things that are coming down the pot. These prophets, most of these prophets out here today can't tell you. They don't know. So how, if they don't know what's coming down, how can they prepare you for it? Mm-hmm. Now, they may see pictures because God will give you visions, and they'll say, I don't know what you call it. I don't know the name of it, the whatchamadulam. The thing. It looks like, and then they start giving you descriptions, but they can't give you revelation. 
And so those are the things that we do at Price University for the entire fivefold, emphasizing scriptures, authoring mantles, using them as the premise, the archetypical premise, and the archetypical backdrop of everything we do, because God starts everything for the process. Someone asked me this past weekend, well, when you say that, don't you think he starts with the word? I said, but then the Bible said in the beginning was the word. Sometimes, see, the logic. <laughs> but the logic, the logic and, the, and the lack of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, you really can't have logic in something and without the knowledge of it. And when people take the assessment, it, it, you know, uh, in general, but in the, the PAQ, the Preparing mm-hmm. Aptitude Questionnaire, one of the most common gaps and weaknesses and threats and vulnerabilities is lack of prophetic scholarship, exactly. prophetic knowledge, prophetic foundations in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And the inability to discern the spirit of Christ from every other spirit in the world. And that's what we're seeing right now. What we're going to shift our discussion to shortly is going to prove that. That our, we have statistical data that says that the typical prophet cannot discern yes. the spirit of Christ no. from the spirit of anything else. So as far as they're concerned, spiritual is spiritual is spiritual. is all equal. And so we have that. And the other thing we find out is the prophets don't know the word of the God they say they're prophesying for. They've got so much doctrine, so much theology, they have no scripture. And when you come, when you try to refute their prophecies with scripture, they are going to argue with you because they're defending what came up in them and not what God sent to the planet. It's important that you recognize that. And so they get upset. And, and so, you know, the person said, yeah, but I mean, don't you think revelation came first? I said, if revelation's never uttered, formulated a phrase, do we know? So revelation is a word. You know, we treat it like it's something else. And I've spent all of these years, 30-something years with God in his presence, etc., hearing his mind. But the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, for we have the mind of Christ, because eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. You understand, we take, we so busy talking about God is love, we forget that God has treats for those who love him. He has benefits. Love it. You know, it said because for those who love him. So God is not, I mean, you think because God is love that he loves sin. Right. And see, we, these people are trying to tell you that God loves sin. Oh, y'all didn't catch that. You got it. So but if there's some people talking about the sin that God loves, um, that they, can't, they cannot answer the other questions. Like, how do you know? How do you know? How do you know? And they asked me that. I said, Mm-mm. when I tell you that you're not something, I'm telling you that I can give you a profile of what it should do and what you don't exhibit. Because that's how people get jobs. And that's how they get that's how they get passed over in jobs. So you got a job profile, a job description. And so in nineteen ninety three, you know, I found a, a couple of sites on the internet that at least had the cover of constructive contemporary prophecy. Really? Yes, I pulled it down so I could at least have a cover. Huh. And so <clears throat> But they talk about, you know, and, and constructing the contemporary prophet, I wrote the first profile for the career prophet, for the professional prophet, not just the ministerial feeling. Because at the time, you know, everybody was defining the prophet, but the real prophets. And even those people, they weren't so much defining it as they were exhibiting it. 
So they were exhibiting the traits and attributes. We use those. God uses traits and attributes. Brother, I don't think you're right about that. Well, I don't know the parable of the talents that he does. Mm. New Testament. New, yeah, we have to make that. Two <laughs> <laughs> starts some trouble. Okay. Two <laughs> starts some trouble. But, but I wanted you to get that because it's important that you recognize what God is talking about when he's saying um, that I call some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You understand that God is going by what he put in people before he determines if they fit an office that he wants to install them in or set them in. And so I've done all of that. We do a lot of word etymology and word breaking down because the devil changed the meanings of terms so he can change your mind on truth. Yes. Terminology is how you are either brought into or dragged out of truth. So you go in there and see all of those definitions, and then you see obsolete. Obsolete is the one I want. And you know why? Because I don't know who obsoleted it. Right. <laughs> so until archaic, I don't know who did that. And so for, and I know that the battle, every prophet under the sound of my voice right now, every apostle, every pastor, every five-folder, every deacon, whoever you are, all of you under the sound of my voice need to know, don't buy the lie. This is not about modernization. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. Right. Because they, they're making you think all of these assaults against Christ and assaults against Scripture and assaults against uh, Christianity are about modernization. This is not about modernization. And you need to study modern and study modernization and modernity. You need to study those things to, to see what they really mean and what they meant until this satanic agenda mm-hmm. decided to redefine them. But you have better remember, if you're going to be a prophet of God today, I'm going to know whether or not you're a prophet of God or you're just a prophet that was born. I will know it simply by what you do with the historical and traditional and eternal Jesus Christ. And, that, and I want to know it because you'll be able to find this, their satanic strategy and their devious campaigns in Scripture. And you will know yes. that the assault is, this is not about a modernization or sophistication. Look up those words because I keep telling you that. Like, don't tell me that the Bible is outdated because I'm going to ask you why you're looking like a piece of scripture. <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting here looking like the scripture. Yes. Looking like a God is talking about the Bible's outdated. So we, gotta, we, we go all the way back to Asherah. Why are you looking like a Bible character? Because we think all Bible characters look like the 12 apostles and David. Yes. But I want you to understand, you're looking at Bible characters yes. now on television. Harlots, whores, and prostitutes. That's Bible. That's right. That's Bible. The Bible that predated you. Frequently mentioned in the Bible. Yes. I might add. And condemned. Because, you know, I'm going to keep saying it because it's important that we understand that this tactic is about taking out Christianity and taking out Jesus Christ and replacing them with the Bible characters that God crucified on the cross. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The only reason you as Christians can vote for abortion is because you're not a Christian. You're one of those false Christians Jesus talked about because true Christians know that God is life. He came to give, bring us life. 
He came to destroy the works of the devil, and abortion is a devil act because they don't abort babies in God's realm. They don't probably don't have a lot, I would have to say, because that's a whole other discussion. We're, we're, we're saving that. So you can, and the next time some Christian tell you that, well, I believe in Jesus Christ. No, you don't. You believe in the false Christ. You believe in the Christ of the dead, mm. not the Christ of the living. Mm. Because the Christ of the living will not destroy a baby who can hold 15, 16, 17 generations. You don't just abort a baby. You kill the future. You kill the future. You kill future leaders. You kill future followers. You kill future scientists. You kill the future. Abortion kills the future because every seed comes forth with a seed after its own kind in itself. So you are slashing a baby. And you think that God is just going to judge you for that one life. No, he's going to judge you for the future you killed and your part. And so then you want to go and have a baby with somebody you like, and you need God to get excited. Abortion, should we keep, so these laws, New York has decided to kill its future. Wow. To murder its future. To, to halt the future. Now, who has any benefit in that but Satan? Right. So that little baby, you know, we used to have, we used to cry over a blob. Now we're crying over a literal kid. And the only way a Christian can vote for abortion is that they're not a Christian. And I, I defy them to tell me that they are. Because if you, we become Christians by the blood of the Lamb, by the testimony of Jesus Christ, by the incorruptible seed of Christ put in us, by the Holy Ghost passing from uh, coming in us and installing Jesus. Now, if you have those, those qualities, trust me, God would not let you vote for abortion. They're not the Christ who created you. So you were really saved. So what you need to know is that you went to the altar, snipped and snot, and then somebody told you, take it by faith. Let me tell you something. When you get saved, faith is the least of your, your affirmations. You change. Yes. You become sensitive. A hunter, a true hunter that does nothing but kill animals will be changed when he, when he is filled with the Holy Ghost yes. because he's going to feel what God feels. And the fact that they neither the abortionists or the attendants or the mothers feel what God feels about the lives he brought into the planet makes them non-Christians. Because the spirit of Christ isn't in you. Doctrine may be there. Theology may be there. You know, you might even have appreciation for some of the things we do. But I'm telling you, you're not a Christian because Jesus Christ, what did he say? I didn't come to destroy men's lives. He said, but to save them. Oh, somebody didn't get me. I need to hit a little phone. Yeah. Boom. Okay, I got room over here. Until hey! she comes. She has to do that for me. <laughs> because if God said he came not to destroy men's life, how can a Christian destroy your life? Mercy. You cannot tell me that. I will not do it. And the problem is, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to shift to the next thing that I'm out about today. I'm out about a few things. Be hot. Okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> hot about a few things. Be hot. Yeah, hot yeah. A little red. Yeah, you fiery. I'm fiery. But I want you to understand that when you hear people tell you that that God, like the whole, we talked last night about the group that went and blessed the abortion circle. I said, let the judgment on that abortion center hit your life, your children's life, and your children's children's oh, life. You believe it so much, wear it and live it and eat it. Woo! Watch me. Wear it. There's no way in the world you can stand there and say, I bless the killing of kids. You can't be a Christian. When Jesus Christ said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. 
I am the light of the world. He who believes on me is passed from death to life, shall not perish. And you sitting there not even giving the babies a chance to believe on him. Wow. You're not giving it, and you're going to say that's Jesus Christ? No, no, no. These, Because let me tell you something. Bibleist Christians are not saved. Because the Bible is not just in a book. It started out being in people. Bibleist Christians are unsaved. The fact that you can't stand to hear the gospel preached, you can't stand to hear the, the Bible taught, you can't stand to have scripture judge you and filter you and inspect your life, then you're not saved. And, and, and one of the things, because you'll hear people say, I don't know how you can say that, I'm an apostle. The apostle's job was to say who's saved and who isn't. That was the apostle's first work. That was their job. To find out if we turned you from darkness to light, right. we have inspectors for that. To, to, and from the power of Satan to God, we have inspectors for that. To find out that if you're bearing the fruits of righteousness, mm-hmm. if you're bearing the fruits of repentance, a person that can bless an abortion, uh, an abortion center, unsaved, and claim to be a Christian, you are not saved. I'm going to tell you right now, and I commission the angels of God to convict you and to prove to you all of your acts that you're not saved. I release and thank the Holy Ghost for coming into your life and showing you you are still going to hell. You are going to hell. And you know why you're going to hell? Because you never got out of it. Mm. Because salvation takes you from Satan. Come on. It takes you from his abode, takes death from you, take you and said it passes you from death to life. Then say it, it pulls you through, puts you in death and pulls you back out. Everybody in the planet is born to hell. That's what Satan won in the garden. Jesus. Everybody. That's the piece that we don't get. We're so busy trying to tell you salvation is how you feel God. and how you look. God. When you understand, no, you're not saved. All of y'all showing up there with those little raggedy jeans on, that's Satan wear. And the world tells you it's Satan where. So you're not saved. Wow. You're not saved because salvation is supposed to lead you to sanctification. And if you're doing the same things you did before you ran down that office, altar and sniffed this not, you're not saved. And as an apostle, our job is to tell you what the fruits of righteousness look like, what the fruits of repentance look like, what the, what the, these, are, you know, these are the works of the flesh. That's our job. The Bible is full of descriptives. It's full of analyses. It's full of diagnostics. Full of it. Yeah. Instead, we're just looking for a revelation, and you just want to read them little psalms to make you feel good. My Jesus. But you're not safe. And see, the sad part, a pastor's going to tell you, you say, not all of them, because I've met some pastors that are like, ooh, Lord, I'll be so proud of them, I don't know what to do. But I don't meet a lot of them. And in Tulsa, you don't meet a lot of them. That's why so many saints are not in church. They're okay. They're okay. I, I would go to God, and but you know I got to go play golf on Sunday. Let me tell you something. If you got to, if you got to go and have fun before you do your duty to God, this is the whole duty of man: fear God and keep His commandments. That's about this is the whole duty of man: Mm-mm-mm. fear God and keep His commandments. What does the Lord require of you? That you would walk humbly with your God. That you would do justly. So God has specifics. We keep saying it's vague. It's not vague. Words, words can't be vague. Interpretations are. Oh, so you can really make interpretations vague and ambiguous, but words mean what they say. Ice is ice. Now, when we start de- interpreting it, we, we could say, well, allegorically chill, the environment was cold, something was, okay, we can say that. But words mean what they say. And in the beginning was the word. And so as we go on with, as prophets, that's why I want to do it, because prophets did not start out celebrating Satan and making, a, making room for him. The, he didn't, the prophets didn't start out making God equal with his creature. Today's prophets do. Huh. 
But prophets didn't start out with that. Prophets start out securing God's holding, purifying his people, and stabilizing his communities. That's what prophets did. Securing God's people, making sure that they understand that there, there is a difference. You got a dark power. And if, if God didn't have uh, sin, he wouldn't need a prophet. Uh, but because he has sin, he needs a prophet because in order to protect himself from mass production of that sin, he dumbed down humanity. He turned the light off in our brains. Was that good? Excellent. So I need you to understand. Those are the things that we deal with because you want to talk about, is God ever going to fix this? Are you? You understand God fixed it when he put Jesus on the cross and rose him from the dead and then brought him back home. That was God's fix. Now, what is your fix? Your fix is, I have a right to lead my life where I want. Well, we got a family, and I'm family first. And our kids, I don't want to force them to serve God. Yeah, but you let Satan force them to serve sin. And you celebrate that. So it's okay for the devil and the darkness in the world to force your kids to serve sin, Buddha, uh, Brahma, Hinduism, and all the other gods. Their world can force them to do that, and you send them every day to get reinforcement. Right. But when it comes to Jesus Christ, the only one that gives you a choice, mm-hmm. you opt out. Mm-hmm. You teach your children from infants. Most of you all, you, your kids are taught from little ages to opt out. Why? Because you opted out. You opted out because you didn't like how Christianity treated you. How about how you treated Christianity? Right. Because I'm going to tell you, you got jobs that treat you worse than that. Mm-hmm. You got neighbors that treat you worse than that. You got a government right now that's treating you worse than that. And you know what? You're not opting out. You're conforming. Is that good? It's outstanding. So I want to go over here because I'm going somewhere today. I know y'all didn't think I was going to come on and come. We always know. There we go. Somewhere. Let's go here. There we go. So. Let me say that's that. I'm going to see if I can get you over here what you say. Oh, you guys, that's where I get to see it. I don't want you to find anything. Cancel. You see? My e-store doesn't look like that. I loaded it. Oh! <laughs> oh, like... Mm. Well, can I say something while yeah, you're do doing it. that? I would like to make a plug for this year's Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. It is in June 19th. 19th, uh, we start here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is a perfect subject even to bring this up because we are addressing, and I have this all written down here, the importance of education. The uh, subjects that are being taught are the role of the prophetic in media. And that's by Jeff Sievers, who is an international talent director and talent broker. So this is a man who is a Christian, Mm. filled with the Holy Spirit, and in that arena professionally and is very successful at it. He's going to be teaching on that. We have the twin prophets, Naeem and Hakeem Collins. And so they'll be teaching on the dangers of an untrained prophet and establishing a viable and relevant prophetic organization. Our very own chief prophet, Thomas will be teaching on building a prophetic watch force and task force. And they'll be mm-hmm. teaching on prophetic guardianship as well. Prophet Angela Yamiba is doing a workshop. Yes. I'm doing a workshop about something mm-hmm. that I'll be teaching on. But these are, and Dr. Price will mm-hmm. be teaching the first day, at least most of the first day for sure, on 
the importance of prophetic education, the importance of prophetic training. You see what you get here. Mm-hmm. This is not what we classify as training, if you can believe it. No. We're informing. Yes, informing. Exposing. Bringing something to your awareness. Revelating. Here. She's mm-hmm. going to give revelation. But the teaching and training. So I challenge you. I encourage you. I motivate you. It is February. Plenty of time to get the ball rolling on uh, in, uh, registering for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute or TPTI. 2019 here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, go to Dr. Price's website, www.drpaulaaprice.com. Click on events. Right there, you see this beautiful picture of Dr. Price. And the registration okay. information about getting here in June, connecting to the hotel, uh, reserving your room. We have group rates and discounts. If you have a group of 10, you have a group of 20, I think even as small as five, there might Mm -hmm. be some type of discount for that as well. But go to the site, click on the event. It'll take you to Eventbrite with all the different breakdowns. If you need transportation, we are doing um, shuttling for different Mm -hmm. things. The, the hotel will shuttle you back and forth to the airport. But we have our prophet's ordination, our near global prophetic company uh-huh. ordination on Wednesday evening. That is kicking off the event this year. And then we roll into the training starting on Thursday. So if you will need transportation back and forth because that's at our church, the event is at a hotel, the Double Tree at Warren Place, the same place we had November's event and actually last June. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're going to be there. So now is the time. Reserve your spot. Reserve your seat. We are expecting amazing things to happen at this year's event. I mean, none of them are disappointing. Yeah. Everyone is very unique. But with the changes in the world, the changes in the kingdom, what's going on? You need to do due diligence as a prophet, as an apostle over prophet as a prophetic intercessor, as a praise and worship leader. Do you have to be a prophet just to mm-hmm. come? No. You need to be a member of the fivefold somewhere. Just be a Christian. You want to know more about the prophetic. If you want to know what is God doing in the kingdom beyond what we're sharing here in this broadcast, this event is for you. I'm happy. And make sure if you're a prophetic, a chief prophet, yes. leader, yes. If you are the head of a school of prophets, company of prophets, body, but bring them and, and your intercessors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say, cause, because many times we hear, I'm a pastor, do I really need to come? Yeah, if you're going to have people manifesting as prophets in your church, and they don't always ask your permission to do that. God doesn't ask your permission to begin to awaken a prophet. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel the need to say this as well. Okay. Okay. Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute is not a conference. No. You come to be trained. Your teachers have syllabi that they are following. Yes. (laughs) Training materials. You take reams of paper of notes Mm -hmm. (laughs) or typed notes while you are here. We have uh, a a strict protocol that we follow as far as seeing to it that you get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. You're not going to walk away from TPTI wondering, why did I go? Mm-hmm. Or, well, that was interesting, mm-hmm. but they really didn't do what they advertised. Yeah. And we've heard a lot of <laughs> people going to different places saying, man, the marketing was great, the flyer was amazing, mm-hmm. the speakers were powerful, but they actually didn't do anything. What we said, the Spirit of God moves. We have juicy hot praise and worship. Yeah. 
juicy hot praise and worship. For the early risers, we have uh, we have a morning. What's it called? Morning glory. Morning, morning glory. glory. I was gonna call first watch. That's the restaurant. All right, we call morning glory. Okay. Where you come and you get your you get your hit of worship and prayer before, and then we come and have opening praise and worship with Prophet Adia Peterson, leads the Near Global Worship Team. So we have. All of the dynamics, God moves in worship. We have time where you get your hands laid on you for a prophetic word or prophetic ministry. Mm-hmm. It's not all day. You have opportunities to schedule other things that are deeper. Mm-hmm. And then we have the training. We have the youth. Mm-hmm. We have a program for young people, teenagers. I think it's 13 to 18. Yeah. For them also at CPTI in June. So you mm-hmm. want to reach out. It's like, like she said, if you're a leader. You want to bring your team. You want to bring those teenagers. These kids are experiencing things that you who go to church because you came out from among them. Mm. So you thought that, that when you left them, they died. But that didn't work. If you're a pastor, a church leader, bring your people. If the reason that you need to bring them is because prophets are not pastors first. Prophets are prophets first. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes we act as if. When a prophet has a church, they no longer be, uh, God has some prophets who should have congregations under them for some very specific and qualitative reasons. So we want to say that. Well, the, earlier this week, I want to plug this in. So I want them to see. I'm ready. Okay, earlier this week, Monday night? You know, my life, Tuesday night. Okay. I did a second broadcast with one of my new prophets, Prophet Adia. Uh, not Prophet Adir, she's going to be coming around here soon, Prophet Tamira, and uh, we, she brought up a subject that I thought was amazing. And the, what I think about it is this. But what I think about it was that she brought up about this woman who said that she was going, she just 2018, March of 2018, ran a blog saying, send me your purity rings, and I'm going to melt it down into a huge vagina. Lord help us. <laughs> Deliver us, actually. I talk about a useless destiny, okay. and so, but then it's only useless to the light because the dark needs it. Yeah, you know. And so she's gonna now understand. She did not ask any of the people from the other religions. She didn't ask the people from the Hindu and Buddhist religion to, to send their gold. She did not ask the, the Muslims to send their gold. She didn't even ask for watches, cufflinks. Purity. She has a problem with not allowing her vagina to run amok. She needs her vagina operating all the time, 24-7. And so she wants to give you an image to validate the fact that your vagina shouldn't belong to the world. You see, in the world, the woman's body is public property. Right. We don't often say that. Right. But in the world, everything about the woman's body is public property, and every male has a, a, a natural right to it. And we don't look at it like that. So you look at it because you're so busy looking at everything from your inferiority. I don't have a husband. I don't have a man. I don't know when that works. But in the world, so and that's not a new concept. That's an ancient concept in the Bible. All women are slaves to sex. Just because now Satan has talked you into thinking it's your idea or, or imagining it is your idea doesn't mean you're any less a slave. Right. There are a lot of slaves who wanted to be slaves. When they freed the, uh, the uh, African-American slaves, guess what? A lot of them didn't want to be free. 
The pay was too good. The house was great, whatever. So today, you have to understand the whole thing. That's why all of your clothes are to let any man in society know that you are public property. Mm. You are chattel. Now, you may be well-dressed chattel. You may be greased up. You may be all of that, but you're public property. And anything public is cheap. Come on, don't you pray? Because our treasures are hidden. <laughs> so every gen- every generation, Satan comes up with a new way to cheapen womanhood because a- Eve is how he got Adam to sell out humanity. That's right. So he owns that. He owns. So you talking about you own your body? You don't own your body. You really don't. Because if you did, that that puppy wouldn't get old. <laughs> you don't right own your that. body. You don't own it. You don't have a right over your body. You have a right over who you give your sex organs to. That is it. And the consequences thereof, you don't even own them. So I'm going to invite Prophet uh, Tamir to come up, and let's see if we can. I told you that we didn't cover it enough, so we were going to just address this again on my show and going to show you how ancient it is. Isn't it ancient? It's ancient. Hold on. She's going to bring her research. Because, you know, I'm going to come home sis. Oh, she got, oh, you bringing me something to drink. That's right, because I didn't have my morning coffee, did I? I got to have my coffee. Did you all get coffee this morning? Yes. I got my morning cup of joe. Oh, but they called it when I was coming up. That's pretty dated. <laughs> That's pretty dated. And give me the, uh, the title. Mm-hmm. Let's see. What is the title? The pastor. This pastor is melting purity rings into a golden vagina sculpture. Now, talk about a useless purpose. So, but it is. Isn't that useless? You know, um, but, but if you look, you don't pay attention because you look at all of these buildings with these old uh, architecture, they're all. They all have naked things on it and sex objects and whatnot. So you, but we become oblivious to it. My issue is not only that she's making a vagina. Now I don't. I, I'm supposed that some sort of penis is gonna rise up somewhere near it. Oh, usually. <laughs> Unless of course she's a feminist, at which point, well, I'm gonna go on. Um, Mr. Truth. Melting purity rings. Pastor is melting. Feminist pastor melts down Christian pure, not any other ring. No. You understand? So, see, the thing that I, I want the Christians of today to hear that this is not a universal objective. This is a singular objective, and that singular objective is to destroy Christianity and to dethrone Jesus Christ. And they're doing it because they're mad. They're mad at the, this girl is mad at the evangelicals because obviously her salvation didn't take. So she probably wants to, this is a revenge move on her part. <laughs> All about revenge, isn't it? Yeah, this is it. Oh, this is, oh, can can I find it? Where'd you get it? You know, one of the proper circle people sent it to me. So can I, how can I get them uh, to see this? Let's see. Find out how to send that to me. Hold on. May I? Please. Oh, I send it's on your proper circle page? Yes. No, no. It's actually oh, they sent it to you. They sent it to me. And no. So can you forward it, share? Yes. Hit share. And I'm sending it to her. So I want you to understand 
So I want you to look at her and tell me where. I'm going to show you some pictures, mm-hmm. and I want you to t- I want you to tell me where Jesus is in this. First of all, she doesn't mention Jesus. She can't. And if she did, she would be talking about a false Jesus. She didn't even say she's Christian. She tries to in, in, inseminate that she's Christian. She can't be Christian because she can't be Christ, because Christ is not in her. In order to be a Christian, Christ must be in you, in you, not a book you read. And so, you know, so she wants to start having these. Um, they said, what should Christ, Christian feminists do with their old purity wing, ring symbols of a patriarchal theology that has Harm countless is this plug. So we can look at. It. Now, let me tell you something. I'm gonna tell you right now, Christian and feminist doesn't work. There cannot be a Christian feminist. Now you could be assigned to females who have been born again and saved, but you can't be a feminist. And I'll tell you why. Because the Bible say so I I could tell y'all why. They'd be talking all this stuff and y'all be like, Well, yeah, what do you know? No. I can tell you why. Because the Bible said in Christ, there is neither male nor female. In Christ. And the reason is because when we get to God's world, that we're like the angels, as Jesus said, that we neither marry nor giving in marriage. So your female organs, your male organs don't mean a thing to eternity because you're not reproducing. There is no marriage in heaven. They don't have sex. In heaven, so you can see the uselessness of a sex object, a sex statue, utterly useless. Because in God's realm, they don't do it. We, I mean, even here, when you get saved, God starts telling you marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but adulterers and whoremongers, the Lord will judge. That's Bible, which means he only lifts the curse of marriage, of sex, for marriage. In every other instance, sex is cursed. Sex outside of marriage is cursed. That curse is not something that God whips up when you slip. You want this to show? Yes. Oh, she's up there doing stuff, too. Look at her. Look at her. She got her yoga pants on. Look at her. And you can look at Don't she look like the devil or snatched her? We just need this over the change of setting. Okay. So she's going to change the setting because I want them to see her. Because this is this is the woman who says that Jesus Christ came and told her to make a smoke a molten virgin a vagina. Is she out there? Come on. Yeah. Huh? Good. So the reason that I want you, she's going to fix it so you can see this because it's important for you to recognize. When God is moving or not moving. So a feminist will never be a Christian in God's definition. See, because humans are defining and redefining something that they didn't create or invent. So we're going to redefine Christianity. According to what? Because we have a problem with patriarchal, whatever. If you didn't have a father, you wouldn't be here. So we can do all of that. You could talk about that. The one of the things that God did to bless me to not, I love this because you know I love this man. I sugar pop. Where's my thing? They got my thing. Somebody took my thing. I don't know where my thing went. Well, I got a belt. Okay, she said I got a belt. One of the things that I love is that science disproves the goddess movement. Because 
if God is going to to be around if as a creator, let's just say if he's a creator, right. if God's going to be around, he's not going to be the one that gets one egg a month. If I was going to be around forever and make sure that I could populate infinitum, I wouldn't do it with the, with the, with the side of my species that can only give me an egg a month. And if those eggs aren't used, they die. That disproves because she can only give us one egg a month or however many she has. And if that one's of whatever's not fertilized is killed to let you know death is in the whole sex thing. And so that egg is killed. Don't y'all love me? Send this to your goddess friends. And I'm going to say the same thing. I'll ask your goddess, why does she choose to work herself out of existence? Uh, yes. Oh my. Well, I love it, Dr. Price, because everything, I, I think one of the greatest things, you said so many great things on this topic, but one of the greatest things is that everything she's saying is old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and this does dated. take us, yeah, dated, this does take us back to the golden calf with, mm-hmm. you know, all of these so-called new modernized movements. It's not new. Mm-hmm. And I think she's just trying to put a spin on it. Even the fact that she's taking these, you know, purity rings uh-huh. and trying to reinvent it again. But this isn't new. You still are going back to another God uh-huh. and trying to take people to an old God. And actually one of the uh, prophet circle uh, people messaged me and said that they were a part of that movement and they're older today and they still have their ring because exactly. it affected their life. And she said, today I still wear my ring and I'm proud of what, you know, what that did for me. And, but here's another one. She wants to gather all of the purity rings. Welcome, Prophet Adia. Yay. She wants to gather all of the purity rings so that she can validate them being unfaithful to their covenant of purity with Christ. Right. I, she wants to make them feel good. What does she want? She wants to get Christians out of abstinence. Is that not what she yeah. said? Let me see. I think in the paper mm-hmm. she said. She said she wants to get Christians out of abstinence. She well, says, who, to whose benefit? She says that they will get a certificate of impurity, and they will be impurity rings. So you will get a, a certificate of impurity that says that your ring contributed to this um, this uh, sculpture of a vagina because you couldn't keep yourself. Why well, feel bad about keeping yourself? Satan needs everything having sex because that's the only way he can provide housing for the demons that left heaven with him. Sex is a transit system for demons. And I'm going to show you that. I'm going to hear even at, um, because you know, This man, look at this. This is, uh, you know, this is just insane. But I want to see if I can find this. Um, where it talks about Wikipedia saying that you have goddess images for demons and devils. Mm-hmm. They talk about where Christians have the cross, but Jesus didn't. Jesus said the cross was a sign of death wow. and sign of the curse. We, the church made it a sign of triumph, but the cross is not a sign of triumph. The cross is a sign of death and the curse and doom. That's why on the cross Jesus was killed, but on his throne he reigns. So we shouldn't have them either, to be honest with you, but that's what the church did because to sell the, you know, I guess sell salvation. But when I read, and I researched this in my scripture, I read my Bible, you know, like that. I read my Bible. And, and the Bible says the, the, the cross is a sign of the curse. Curse is everyone who is hung on a tree. Mm-hmm. 
and he and by his stripes. So we're walking around do, giving them, you know, unimplied or implied permission to ha- make their own icons because we're wrong. Because God said, don't make yourself any image of anything to work, to bow down and worship it. He said, do not make any images. We're the ones that, because Christians started saying, well, they shouldn't get all the money, so we're going to go and make us some images. We'll make the cross. We'll make the dove. First of all, if the dove that they make is the one that saved my soul, I am in trouble. Because I'm sure the dove that came down and sat on Jesus did not look like one of ours. Because wow. ours are the pigeons. And I'm convinced that it didn't look like that. You know, because if it had to baptize him, it had to be living and animated and all of that. And it had to come down releasing glory. But we did that. So they, they're able to do that because the Catholic Church got all kinds of smelted, smolted stuff. Because in their mind, what, if you have a real salva- salvation, you don't need objects right. because you become the object. But if you don't, then you need objects because your mind has not been enlightened by the Holy Ghost. So you can't remember. So you need to keep reminding yourself with visual aids. See, true saints don't need visual aids. Okay. Now, if you decide you want to have a cross in your house, that's fine. I got none in mine. None. I don't have crosses. I don't have pictures of Jesus hanging on crosses. I don't have pictures of Jesus because not one of them look like him. Okay, not one looks like him. I'm being honest with you. So I don't have pictures of Jesus. I know y'all do because you got some man's impression of Jesus, and you don't know what devil modeled for it. Who set for that? picture. I don't do it. I'm telling you. Because it's, I don't have that. And you know why? Because I, I, he said he's going to walk in me. He's going to talk in me. I'm going to be his child. He's going to be my God. I don't have them. I don't have pictures of angels. I don't need them. Now, and especially my relationship with Christ sees to it that I meet the fan. <laughs> so I meet the fan. You know, I like the fam. And, mm-hmm. But I don't have them. I don't need them on the wall. They already standing in my house guarding me. Right. Wow. So I don't need that. See, when your salvation becomes alive, uh, instead of an experience, mm-hmm. wow. I want you to understand God provides the visual aids. Right. But you need man-made visual aids because you have not come close enough to God for him to open the veil for you. So let's, what, what, we going to get her? When it's there? No, well, okay. Yeah, I just want the thing to work. Mm-hmm. It's still winding. Oh. I know. I saw it. But that's all right. They can look at this picture. Look at this face. Look at this. Look at the arms. What is the, what's that on the arms? Right. All kinds of occult stuff. All kinds of non-Jesus stuff. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, here she goes. Now, here she is. She's standing up there with skin-tight crotch pants. Now, if she looks like this and she's not Christ, why are our preaching women looking like this? So who's going to know the difference between that? Look at her. she got the little piece of cross down there, and we don't know what the little label says. And look at her, the tattoo, (laughs) the star of another god around her neck. That's her yoke, because what you put around your neck is what represents your yoke. Oh my. And so, and she's standing there like, hey, it is no big deal. Uh-uh. No, I'm telling you, I- I'm going to go on and say this again. You know, I'm really good at this. 
if God is a woman, as they want us to think, then I understand, I want you to understand that he's, he picked the worst of his species or the worst of his creation to live forever. Because men have more sperm in a day than women have in a lifetime. Hey. Yeah. Women don't have that. You don't get them. Even the transgender folks, you ain't getting nothing different. You just stop trying to make yourself look better because you can't make yourself what you, your devil wants. So when we are talking about this, God, see, science disproves this. I'm, I'm going to keep saying it because sometimes some of you all are feminists. Y'all trying to be feminists because you got some man that made you mad, and then you got men trying to be, you know, maleist because it's the same thing. It's the same thing. God is a man because God seeds precede fruit. So you put a bag of seeds in a barn and a bag of eggs in a barn. Go back. In six months Hmm. or six years, the seed can still be planted. The egg becomes compost. That's not an imagination. That's a real fact. And and so the whole idea that I'm going to worship what dies, (laughs) our eggs die every month. Every month. And when you're born, you have all the eggs and all of the seed or sperm you're ever going to have in life as a baby, as an infant. That's why I said abortion kills generations. That is why you're going to shorten the lifespan of your country. Because all that's assigned to be your country, you have killed. All that's assigned to extend your country, you have killed. (coughs) And And the countries that don't subscribe to abortion will outnumber those that do so that their population will be big enough to to dwarf the countries that believe in abortion and that practice it. So it's important that we say that because you have to get it. A goddess is not going to get more eggs just because she's a goddess. She just isn't because all Satan's creatures are mortal, beginning with himself. Wow. Mm. Is that good? That sounds good. Are they following me? Are y'all following me? My God. Ah! I said, my God. So now, because Satan is mortal, he lost his eternality or his immortality in God when he got kicked out. God changed him. Ezekiel 28 said God went into his gut and took his life out of him and left him to burn up from the inside out. That's Bible. I know y'all don't read it, but it's there. It's there. And so here's God. So he's already mortal. When he entered Adam, he was mortal which is why Abel could be killed. Yeah. And what did she say? Oh. 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 Eve said, I've begotten a man child from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Because she, that was God's, her way of understanding that God was going to use her to perpetuate the race from Cain and his wife. Because the spirit of every human being is in the male sperm. See, that's why I can, I can talk about this. The spirit of every human being is in the male sperm. And since the blood is the life of all flesh and children get the blood from their fathers, that's a proven fact. So if the spirit is in the sperm, why would God make himself like a woman and say that his feminine side is perpetual in, in terms of human biology? Why would he model the thing that's going to die? Hmm. See, because sperm goes on. 
It's not going to age. You get a 93-year-old guy in a coma, and a woman decides she wants his inheritance. She All she got to do, in a coma, yeah. when she's ovulating. Right. So you have to know that. That is why it's important to know that God gives conception. Mm-hmm. Because Eve also said about Seth, I got another man child yeah. Yeah. to replace Abel whom Cain slew. Mm-hmm. Is that true? See, but you're so busy trying to figure out, trying to let Satan do his, his uh, damage control and his takeover with your mind that you're not even looking for the errors in their statements. And there are plenty of them. There are a lot of holes in those statements. You know, the church is dead. The church can't ever die because the Holy Ghost hasn't gone anywhere. Right. How about that? So the church is not the present generation. The church is the, the third person of the Godhead, disseminating the second person of the Godhead. So the church can't ever die. But if you put your faith in their lie, then and for you, that is your truth. But there is no practical way that a God who wants to be around forever would make him an egg and not a sperm. Right. I mean, just a, Isn't it the truth? Oh, we got people? Oh, look at you. Oh, good. I want them to see it. But now, so explain some of the other things you want to say, and then I'm going to talk about Asherah. Okay. Well, <clears throat> she goes on to say, oh, do I? I'm going to sip some coffee. Yeah, coffee. Yeah. Um, in the end, Clyrite's purity culture essentially taught girls that they were responsible not only for their own chastity, but also for, also for that of the boys around them. Girls who had premarital sex were compared to used cars, tissues, and gum that no one else would want. Purity culture had a, oh, a particularly devastating and dangerous effect on gays and lesbian teens. So you can understand this, this LGBT thing. Yeah. Can you imagine? Let's, roll, let's roll, roll, role play their meeting. Ooh, there's a new revelation out there. Who's going to go? And belie it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because they have to do that. So this here, can we make this bigger? Uh, yeah, I guess if you make your screen bigger. Yeah. Uh, look at that. There you go. That is what you're turning your purity ring into. <laughs> and this little dirty piece of something is to make you feel valid after you done slipped around. Now, she can say all she wants to say about cars and whatnot, but what do they say about prostitutes? Here's the bottom. Oh, look at and What's that? This freedom. Oh, freedom. Melted down, I don't know, charms or something. And doesn't it look as archaic as the Bible versions? It looks about as archaic. These are all of your rings. So the fact of the matter is that you're going to go, see, I like this. People don't wear dirty underwear. You're not going to wear your friend's underwear. You're not, I promise you, you're not going to want to do that. You're not going to want to reuse your friend's tampon or Kotex pad. You're not going to want to do that. Because they catch waste. Uh, yeah. But they have your life material. And yet you will tell a young girl it is okay for her to have how many dirty little boys up in her behind. Right. Now, for you, that's better. First of all, y'all, y'all sleeping with people, you don't know when they last had a shower. You don't know if they just got out of somebody else's vagina and now they're in yours. You don't know any of those things, but all you know is that that lost girl here yeah. says that you should do a lot of it. 
Look in her eyes. All those people that she's had, male and female, are showing in her eyes. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they are inflamed. Those devils are happy as they want to be. They show themselves in her eyes. Because you can tell by looking in people's eyes. Because when we get around, the devils are like, oops, caught. Gotta go. Oh, yeah. And so you would not do that. Half of you all who sleep around, only one person can drive your car or two. Only one person has access to your house. Only one person has access to your refrigerator. And you care more about the objects you bought than the body you need to take you to the grave. And some of you all are like, you're never going to stand. And, no, look at her. I'm telling you, look at her. Hold on. Sorry. Look at her. You can, you can see all of those spirits in there. Just like they see Christ in my eyes. Yeah. They see Christ in my eyes, and so they surprised because we see them. Right. Him and see, and see their devils. But I want you to understand, I want to know who in the world in their right mind wants a woman's reproductive organs and reproductive material ravaged before they get 20. Yeah. And to what end? Some of y'all out there may know. Send me some of the answers you think, because I've been trying to find it. To whose end is it that your daughter goes and grows up with all of this male sperm in her body and her soul? Because sperm doesn't stop at the body. According to 1 Corinthians 6, sperm goes all the way to the soul and to the spirit. It stays in the body. It travels up the spine. Now, I know we don't, the, the, you know, the, the CDC and company don't want to tell you this because, well, they've got a gag order from the LGBTQ people. They've got a gag order. But I'm asking you, to whose benefit is it to ravage a kid, to ravage the, the, uh, the pedophile that's going to temper? Whose benefit is it? A lot of these people, you probably don't even know many of the principles of pedophilia has to do with them taking the youth from the kid yeah. because they're aging. Yeah, yeah. So you're just going to rip this kid off. Yep. Yeah. And wreck their world. So I want you to know, I want you to tell me, what is that? What's that all about? So oh, is this her? Look at them still. Look at the eyes. Look at these two. Look, can you ever seen any? Look at, come on, y'all. I look at her eyes and she looks like she should be the next movie yeah. on Halloween. Yeah. She got a whole bunch of stuff going on. And so she, they're standing there and, and, and whatever. And the reason that they can do it is because Christians allow themselves to be converted by devils mm-hmm. and converted to demonics. So we have this, and this is the kind of mess that's going on. So the whole idea is that I really appreciate when, they, you know, we're pushing this LGBT because really nobody cares about the L. I promise you, read your, do your homework. No, I care about the L. They're just all on the same board because they found a common enemy. It's the G that's a problem. Huh. huh. Because it's the seed. Yeah. Because it's the seed and because it gets more of everybody. Even the L, in order to, to be around, we have to go into the G. Somebody has got to sodomize them. So they have to have anal sex. And so the, the L gets a little bit of a something, but the G gets it all. They get the anal sex. They get the, the vaginal sex. Right. Okay? Yeah. Because, think about it. Because as we saw in that article, everybody has a butt. Not everybody has a vagina. Not everybody has a penis. But everybody's got a behind. Ooh. That's the ultimate of the agenda. Everybody has a behind. Ooh. So that means 
everybody, dog, cat, bird, they get more mileage and more opportunities and accesses than all of the rest of the alphabet. Because everybody has it behind. Didn't that the article we read? We did an article on it. And it said, and, if it, and, and don't worry about it. If you get a little poo, this is what she writes to the teenagers. If you get a little poo, well, everybody has a little poo. Yes. Okay? So the girls get, get the women, and if they want to have a man, they validate creation by having sex with a man right. to get a baby. Unless they can get one inseminated, and you know how hard and long and, and, and questionable and expensive that is. So I'll just go and use God's method. Mm. Yes. Mm. And in lo- using God's method, you prove you're wrong. Absolutely. The fact that you still need a man to get pregnant proves you're wrong. Ooh. That's why before they have their transgender finishing, they always try to get something. So they can get that reproduction in. But understand, this is not about the L. I promise you, it's not about the lesbian. It is not about the bisexual. It is not about the the transgender. It is not about the queer. It is about the, I'm telling you, it's about that. Because the bisexual is going to have either or. And if, even as a bisexual, first of all, anybody understand this is all sex? Yes. All sex. All sex. Now, they try to make themselves, y'all can tell me because I'm going to ask you in a minute, but they try to say that they're equal to race or they're equal to color, that they're no different. But you don't have to have sex. To be a bisexual, you've got to have sex. Otherwise, you're just friends and borders. Right. (laughs) So sex defines you. And sex is considered an act. Right. Isn't that interesting? Jesus. It's considered an act, not a biological necessity. People don't die from having sex or not. Right. You will not die because you haven't had sex. True. You know, you probably will dodge a few bullets, <laughs> a few, a few STD bullets. bullets. Wait, you. You're going to dodge a few, but you won't die. Probably did. You want to give some thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that you started this conversation today talking about abortion, the, the, the fact that we're killing a generation. And so many people are asking now, um, you know, what are we doing to preserve our generations? And I don't think we can have that conversation without coming after the sex agenda and how we are forcing our young people to have a sexual identity so, so early. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and parents having to confront how much a part of that you are, you know, and even entertaining dating with your young people and pairing them and coupling them and pushing them to have attraction for the others, for the other gender and all those different things, pushing that, pushing the cutesy attraction thing and pushing your, your young boys and your young daughters and not recognizing the bigger agenda. Because the thing is, when we have conversations like this, then it's like, oh, that's horrific, that's terrible. But that is the extreme of the things that we say are cute. So what we're winking at and saying is cute and what we're allowing, this is the outcome. The extreme is this, where it's not just that we tell our kids it's all right and our young people it's okay if you have a boyfriend, girlfriend. No, that's not the extreme. This is where we tell them sleep with anything and anyone and don't protect yourself. We talked about this on this program that the 
the very, because uh, you talked about sex being cursed, and people think that that's extreme. But look at the facts, because the, the, the fact of the matter is, so I'm, Dr. Price and I are probably 20-something. We're 20-something mm-hmm. years apart. When, when I was young and being in high school, what was being pushed? Safe. Sex. Why? Because any because sex as a rule wasn't safe. Nothing. We talk about that. We know this. Sex as a rule isn't safe within marriage. It's why is it safe within marriage? Because the assumption is there's only one partner. Mm-hmm. But the the act of sex is putting your body at risk. This mm-hmm. is a reality. You know, sex marriage creates sanctity for sex. Sure. Because it should. Be, and again, should <laughs> because the assumption is that there's only going to be mm-hmm. one other partner. And that anything that you all are exchanging is going to, that you know where that exchange is coming from. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that it's an unsafe practice. I think that you bring out such interesting, not just interesting, powerful points, because we have to recognize what the the goal is to degrade Mm -hmm. humanity, to degrade the generation. Um, So those those are just some thoughts that I have. Well, I want to read this. I don't know how where I got this. Somebody gave it to me. (laughs) Probably. And it says here, I'm going to hold this up. I know you all are not going to be able to see it, but if anybody can zoom in on it, I would like that. But, yes, she's going to find it. And it says, he stabbed his girlfriend's stomach to kill a baby, won't be charged because of New York's abortion law. Now, I said this last week, did I not? I said, you're going to have a hard time convicting any murderer. So this, the, the, so, and to me, this statement is so powerful because it's establishing that women who allow, that, who submit to late-term abortions are classified as the equivalent of a murderer. Mm-hmm. See, even though they don't want to say this, and it said a week ago yesterday, a New Yorker from Queens, Anthony Hobson, beat and dragged his girlfriend, Jennifer Irigoyen, down a flight of stairs and then stabbed her in the neck, abdomen, and torso. He stabbed her in the stomach because he wanted to kill the baby he followed. Some news stories say she was 14 weeks pregnant, and others put the figure at 20 weeks. The pregnant woman shouting, he's got a knife, he's going to kill my baby. Hobson killed both the woman and her baby. He was immediately charged with two crimes, but the charge for killing her baby was subsequently dropped. Wow. It was noted that Governor Andrew Cuomo's new abortion laws provide no penalties for the killing of unborn children. Abortion was removed from the criminal code and inserted into public safety, public health law. Cuomo is not has not commented on what he has wrought. The Albany lawmaker who sponsored the bill that Cuomo lobbied for uh, State Senator Liz Kruger and her colleague in the Senate. Anna Kaplan authored an article on the, in the Times Union that disagrees with the Queen prosecutor's interpretation of the law. They say there is nothing in the law that prevents any prosecutor from charging someone like Hobson for a crime. They say Hobson could be prosecuted for first-degree assault, a sentence that is harsher than the previous sentence of unlawful abortion. Oh Who's got the better argument? The only way to settle this is to have clarity, and that means a new statute needs to be written that addresses this issue. We are calling on Senator Kruger to work on other lawmakers in both chambers to draft legislation that makes it a crime to murder the baby of a pregnant woman. How are you going to come out of that? It's either a crime or it's not. Because, well, what, they're saying that what, 
What her, they're defining uh, as a crime is who chooses to do it. So yeah. if it's the mother's choice, then it's not a crime. Right. But if it's the father's choice and not the mother's choice, then it's a crime. Okay. And if the father has a problem, he doesn't count even though it's his firm. But how many times have we heard in the last 10 years in media, on television, but it's your body, Mm -hmm. not his. I mean, flat out, he doesn't matter. This is not his life. This is your life. This is you. And he doesn't, you don't know. But I believe that he has a right to say, I want to keep my genetic tree. So if you have this baby, I'll take my seed and I'll go on with my life and you can go on with yours. Mm -hmm. But to you, killing your kid is more appealing to you. So now we have to decide whether the woman, now here's where it gets sticky. We got to decide whether the woman, so whether the legislation says wanted pregnancy versus unwanted pregnancy. That's right. Okay. So now we have to decide that, but we also have to take into account what if she changes her mind, which is why we have late term abortions anyway. Mm-hmm. So now killing the baby takes away what? Another right for her to change her mind and say, oh, I, I really would have wanted that kid. Ooh, See, wow. I tell you, that's why God says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because right. God's like, we don't have all those complications. Death is death. Right. Kill is kill. Right. Murder is murder. Right. Babies right. are babies. Women, pregnant women will not produce a, a, a dog. Right. So it's a baby. And it's a life. And it's a person. Because it's not going to be a dog till it, a, 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 a person till it gets to the womb or while it's in the woman. When it comes out, it's a dog. See, all of that stupidity is allowed to reign. So, and this is just what I said this last week. I yes. said that you won't have to lose every other, everybody that's in jail for murder. Every murder. Yes. Because either murder's a crime or it isn't. Right. And just because a woman decides that she wants to, um, she wants to kill her baby at 20 weeks or she wants to kill her baby at full term, right. after birth. You know, because, see, when those babies start coming out, the, the, the abortionist has to kill the baby. And they get to kill the baby because that's what the woman paid them to do. Right. So the abortionist has to go in and break the baby's neck, yes. puncture the base of its brain. Oh, yeah. It's oh, got yeah. to do all these oh, yeah. things to a baby. And somehow or another, New York feels like this is legitimate. Yeah. And because Texas. Yeah, because Texas just voted it. Governor Abbott. Democrat of Texas, this is John Breckles put this post it just signed into law a bill to allow abortion up to one week before birth. Mm-hmm. Texas. I thought that. Yeah, but Texas is funny. They'll turn on you. He said uh, governor. Uh-huh. It's the governor of Texas. Uh-huh. Yes. Texas is funny. It'll turn on you. And I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that's going to last. But I don't believe this is going to last. No. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you realize that there are a whole lot of people, we don't need an abortionist if there, if, if this Work. People don't need to pay the abortion fee. Just go get somebody to stomp you in the stomach. Go get somebody to inject your stomach with something that will kill your baby. And then go on to the hospital and get the baby removed. Induce it or or a cesarean section. Because they now, they they go so far as to do a cesarean section. They call it cesarean abortion. Well, I think you would have to. The baby is fully grown. I mean, there's only a couple ways to get this baby out Mm -hmm. at that size. That's and true. it's the same way as if you pushed it. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a... So they literally, a cu- and a woman will submit to a cutting of her abdomen mm-hmm. to get rid of a baby that she thought she wanted until the last minute. Oh, change my mind. My well, you know what? At that point, 
Just go on and take the baby out and give it to somebody. Yeah, but that's why, Put you know, this is, the, this give is the devil. Break. You want all the raises want, uh, uh, the whole time? Give yeah. it to the father. And if he doesn't want to give it to us, do you know how many families want babies? Well, phone a friend. Somebody. Baby, we need to, <laughs> we let's just come up with some more baby orphanages and let these people come and get these babies. Okay? But see, they don't want, I don't want to know that it's living and walking around. Yeah, because it's better to know that you killed it. This baby that's been kicking you all over the place for the last? Killed it. I said, you know how many people, we need to come up with some sort of group of people who, you know, people, couples who want babies. Let y'all, y'all all mobilize and create some sort of charity institution so that you can get some babies yeah. because these people don't want them. But for to know, to, to say to I mean, an abortionist, I give you permission to kill my kid. Remember, this is kid killing. Because that word's going to spread. Hashtag kid killing. Abortion is hashtag kid killing. Hashtag kid killing. Hashtag mama kill kid. Mama kills her kid. Hashtag I want that thing to become global. I command it to be so. So we're going to stop writing abortion, or we're going to put abortion, parentheses, kid killing. Because we're past just terminating a pregnancy. You're now terminating a life. It was bad enough when it was, so we can, we can definitely differentiate between terminating a pregnancy and terminating a life, murdering your kid. You are murdering your child. At late term, and you are doing it in the most cruel, vile way. It can't be crueler than an abortionist coming in, snapping your child's neck, a little innocent baby, breaking their spine, injecting something to explode the brain. You, uh, there's no way in the world you're going to get out of this planet not paying for that. And you know why? Because I issue an edict on it from the Throne of Christ. We had um, Norma was telling me about the, the the float in the New York parade where the woman said, "Well, I had two or three and I didn't feel." And I thought to myself, "But that's the problem. You didn't feel." Oh yes. But you so already. You know, should you be concerned off. about not feeling. You already yeah. off. You off. Uh, yeah. No. Well, also there is this. I just pulled up this article. I, I know maybe you may have heard of it from the governor of Virginia, the firestorm about you know what would you do if it was a failed attempt at abortion. Mm-hmm. And this is what he said. A Democrat was asked about the bill in a, in, a, in a radio interview on Wednesday, and his response only added to the controversy. Appearing to discuss what would happen if a child was born after a failed attempt to abortion, he said the infant would be resuscitated if that's what, if that's what the mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. That's a cop out. Mm-hmm. Because if, 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 if most times that physician is going to get that money, earn their wages, kind of like Balaam earning his diviner's fee. So that physician is going to kill that baby, and the mother's not going to know it, or the mother's going to say, "I don't, I still don't want it." And then, and nobody, nobody's going to charge that commit that abortionist with a crime. That's right. Mm-hmm. He says that his his comments was absolutely not in reference to infanticide. Okay. Yeah. Many that it is, but it is. It oh. said, the mother changed her mind. But mm-hmm. if it's a failed attempt, how are we resuscitating? Well, because if the baby comes out, this is what they're saying. It's pretty much saying kill. Oh, they catch the baby. But, okay, because I'm thinking. Yeah. Which is why they want to get it butt first, not head first. Right. Got it. There's a reason why they need butt first. Yeah. And so 
if we do not land on the right side of history in this particular issue, my perspective is every hope, every hope that we say we have for the, for our youth and our generation is gone. No, no, we're either killing our kids or we're saving our kids. We're not doing both. We're either preserving our youth or we're killing our youth. So if we don't land on the right side of history of this issue, every hope that we have for our youth and our generations is gone. Mm-hmm. Dr. Price gave a word about just the spirit of, of destruction that's coming against our young people. We have no hope with God to save our young Mm -hmm. from being destroyed, from being taken out. You know, we're crying about youth death, you know, children dying of disease, childhood cancer, and all those different things. And you don't think that that comes from our decision as a country to kill our young people? We can't do both. We're either killing our youth or we're saving them. But we cannot say as a country that we care about our generation if we're going to kill them. And not only you, you and you're, you're going to be, I applaud abortion, abortion to have a problem with the sex trade, child slavery. God is like, uh, I'm just, I don't understand why God didn't get involved. Y'all don't want God involved. God's like, I'm not getting involved because you don't like your kids. He told me, America, he said abortion countries don't like their children. They don't like it. Why is China killing them? Because they don't like their kids. Yep. You know, so we're in a place where you're now going to have to do business on it. So you had abortion in college to get your degree. You had abortion in college to, uh, to spout your business. Now you want to get, get married because you've got Mr. Right. You've got all of the things in your control, un, you know, in place. So everything that you control, you've got in place. Here's the problem. The problem is what you can't control. So then you're upset, you're crying over a kid dying of cancer, and you didn't care a bit about the kid. You flushed down the toilet or that your abortionist handed off to, uh, as some sort of science material. Yeah. So you, God is not, God's like, I don't deal with, what do you say? I don't deal with hypocrites, and y'all hypocritical. You want me to save the child you approve of and right. not the one I sent. That's right. Oh. So he's not getting involved. You're talking about this thing is really growing. Are you kidding? Because the, the, the devil never says it's enough. So he's going to continue to open his mouth and take a wider population of your kids. You're talking about kids. I mean, what's happening to these kids? But what's happening to these kids is exa- as a direct correlation in God's realm to what happens in the, your future children. You're not going to get God to say, yeah, well, I agree with you. That should have went. Now, yeah, you should have killed that one. Wow. He's not going to do that. He's like, either your generation is important to you or it isn't. Either your seed is important or it isn't. But I'm not going to be pushed around right. by your erratic and, and ruthless, cruel decisions. I'm not going to do that. Wow. So, again, we're back at this. And I'm telling you, this battle is going to go on a long time because somebody's going to have to come back to the truth. And neither group wants to say, I, I, I surrender. Right. I mean, that is powerful. Did you have stuff? Because, you know, we didn't ask you. You well, you, you gave your early talk. Thank you. Did you have anything to add? I know you and Sean. No, I mean, it's just, it's, it's appalling, and it's a, a, a sad realization mm-hmm. of understanding where we have placed ourselves with the Lord as a nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what that so, means down the line, which now we are down the line. Mm-hmm. See, all of this stuff has been so far off. It's never going to go that far. It's never going to do whatever. It's, mm-hmm. And here we are. And so this thing's spinning out all over the place mm-hmm. to see how people are going to use this law yeah. to mm-hmm. set up crimes mm-hmm. and do all kinds of things. Because we know, as we always say, the law isn't about who's right. Mm-hmm. It's about who has the best attorney. 
who can win. Yep. So you get an attorney who can fight the best, uh, present the best argument, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily the right thing to do. We're, we're way past that. No. We're well, way past that. Even mm-hmm. in talking about the whole gay and lesbian thing before when we were uh, bringing that up, people switch preferences all day long. Oh, I'm into girls now. Oh, I'm into guys now. You know what? Just whoever's the next person that opens my heart, male or female. I'm a, I mean, we've seen this. Mm-hmm. Famous people, regular people. Mm-hmm. One second. We know people. They were in a staunch lesbian, committed. Now you're married to a man, have kids, have family, have done whatever. You used to be with guys. Now you're with women. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, come on already. And mm-hmm. when you were talking about comparing it to being uh, color. Mm-hmm. We, we wake up every day. And go to bed every day. Black. It's what we got. It's what we got. No matter how you feel, no matter what you want to do, you can love your color today, hate your color tomorrow, wish you were wish you were purple, green, or blue the rest of the week. And it doesn't change without extreme chemical measures that still will surface. Hey, because you know some people just want to be lighter. Some people just want to be darker. I mean, you know, whatever. And and so that's the insulting part about that is the the lunacy mm-hmm. behind the comparisons. But that's what this argument is all about, lunacy. It is. And it's about this is just absolutely ludicrous. It's irrational. It makes no sense. Outside of these contexts, it would not even be heard. Mm-mm. Well, we didn't consider it. You know, when you think about only two, who would have imagined that sex would take down America? Oh but didn't it take down so many nations? But it took down so many nations before us. But, we, you know, the next generation always think that they're smarter, mm-hmm. they have more controls, they can read the historical record and look where the pitfalls were and avoid them. But who would have thought America, homosexuality and abortion, all about sex? Oh, my God. A practice that doesn't have to be, that is not life-threatening, nor is it life-sustaining, and it's scarcely life-perpetuating considering the contraceptives <laughs> that we have out there. Who would have thought? Would we have thought that? No. No. Sex. We would have thought anything but sex. But yet sex, that is, that is the, uh, I think, the, 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 the ultimate strategy. Can you imagine? Oh, I know what we'll do. We want to get rid of this. I know what we'll do. We'll get them to become obsessed with something that they can no longer fight off, mm-hmm. and then we will begin to exploit that obsession, that, that compulsion, in all the areas of life. Right. That's what we're going to do. So we're going to make everybody start defending sex no matter what. You know, I saw the, the dirty little lady, Dr. Ruth. I saw her oh. on the commercial one night. I said, you still <laughs> around? God. I'm like, girl, but she started it, yes. you know, and and so, but who would have thought, and I say to you, the United States of America, you can call it culture, mm-hmm. you can call it religion, mm-hmm. you can call it community, you can call it a lot of things, but the United States of America, you're being taken out by sex, mm-hmm. and that is an embarrassment to any nation. There's something so common and so civil and supposedly so private and personal is going to dethrone you as the greatest nation that's ever been on earth. That is embarrassing. It is embarrassing that a country is being divided by what people do between their legs. That's an embarrassment. That's, and the humiliation of it. 
So and we have to give you right and assume that this week you didn't have a, a, the opposite sex. We have to take their word for it that they feel like a man or a woman now. Right. And that they will by the time they get to senior, senior years. See, you have got to understand it is a shame. When God said sin is a reproach, I never understood it. Mm. But this is a reproach, a repugnant reproach on a country that used to rule the world. Right. Think about it. In all of those those other world, other nations, religions coming in, migrating in, bringing their heresies, bringing the, God said, I want to get on some scripture. You know, I got some. Yeah. Bless him. I got some scripture. And then Tamir, we're going to give you a chance to say some things because I know you got some things on your mind. <laughs> I want to say this because um, it's important that you recognize this is not new. Um, 1 Kings 15:11. Asa did what was right in the Lord's sight as his ancestor David had done. He banished the male cult prostitutes. Homosexual, homosexual, male cult prostitutes from the land and removed all of the idols that his father had made. He also removed his grandmother, Maaka, from being queen mother because she had made an obscene yes. vaginal, vaginal image, obscene image of Asherah. Asa chopped down her obscene image and burned it in the valley, uh, in the Kidron Valley. I'm going to just read you a second one, just because. This is the Chronicles version. King Asa also removed Makkah from his grandmother from being queen mother because she had made an obscene image of Asherah. Asa, uh, Asa chopped down her obscene image, then crushed it and burned it in the Kidron Valley. So this is not new. This lady thinks that she's being very innovative, very progressive. She's not being progressive. She's being regressive. Mm. Because when you leave God, you have no place to go but backwards. backwards. Because you were born to darkness. Mm. So you go back to the darkness that bore you. And so I, I you know, I like to always let people know, because you all are walking around, especially many of our, um, our uh, millennials, you're walking around thinking, wow, well, we're smarter than our parents were. Are you kidding? You know, it always cracks me up. You think that you came up with short pants and Daisy Dukes. We had Daisy Dukes from the real Daisy Dukes. Yeah, it's yeah. true. She was a real Daisy Duke. She was a real Daisy The Dukes are baby. Daisy. We had that. Well, you, you know, the drop booty shorts and carrying on. We had that. <laughs> you think that you are doing something because you're wearing a thong? We had thongs. But there's nothing new under the sun. You're wearing yoga pants. We call them stretch pants. Stretch. Spandex. Spandex. So you're not doing new, and I need you preachers to start doing your homework so you can tell your millennials and your young people why there's nothing new under the sun. All you have to do is go to a couple of high, uh, different diverse consignment shops, and you're going to see all those fashions because that's what those designers did. They went to consignment shops and got new ideas for fashion. Mm-hmm. 
They're not new. They're not novel. They're not even innovative or ingenious. They just said, we'll just take a button here. We'll put a stripe there. We'll have a couple of cups there and whatever. Are, are you kidding? We had raggedy jeans. We made them ragged. They didn't come off of a factory machine. You had to work to get your jeans tore down. Baby, it was a work, you know, because we used to make better jeans. See, these here little thin tissue paper things, you ain't got nothing to do but ride past and rub your knee on your car in the store. $100 for something that tears easily. Excellent. Exodus 34, 13. Instead, you must tear down their own. Well, well, let me just go there because you have to know who there is. And I said, and so, and God is so serious when he says that. He said, I'm bringing you into um, the seven nations. At that time, seven nations ruled the world. Observe what I command you today. I'm going to drive out before you the Amorites, Canaanites, Hethites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. Be very careful not to make a treaty with the inhabitants of the land that you are going to enter. Otherwise, they will become a snare to you. Instead, you must tear down their altars, smash their sacred pillars, worship pillars, okay, because the Lord is jealous for his reputation. Give me a bell, something. What is it doing over there? You all have wrecked Jesus' reputation and caused him to be seen as no better than any other God. He said, because the Lord is jealous, I love that, for his reputation. You are never to bow down to another God. He is a jealous God. Mm -hmm. So in order for you to honor that vagina, you got to get on your knees and kiss it. After all, your ring's in there. You got to kiss your ring. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't that good? <laughs> because sometimes we have to make it make sense. And then, and I'm, the reason that I'm doing this is because I want you to read your Bible. I want you to stop being gullible. Okay? And he kept, this is how America fell. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, giving you his adversaries, when he made America great, and you defeat them, you must completely destroy them. Now, back then, they got rid of their problem by just getting rid of the humans. Today, we're going to have to get rid of the ideologies. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. What? Bringing every thought into captivity or to the obedience of Jesus Christ. So we, we, our job now, this is a head game. Before it was a hand game. Right. But now this is a head game. Yeah. And the head game exists because now people have a choice as to whose God owns their heart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you defeat nations by taking their mm-hmm. heart. He said, these people's heart is far from me. Mm-hmm. And so you must not Intermarry with them. Oh, wait a minute. Let me go back. I, don't, I skipped something. Destroy them. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. You must not intermarry with them, and you must not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons, because they will turn your sons away from me to worship other gods. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will swiftly destroy you. Instead, this is what you are to do to them. Tear down their altars, smash their sacred pillars, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their carved images. 
for you are a holy people belonging to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be his own possession out of all the peoples on the face of the earth. God's people are always one of a kind. Yes. And always different. Now you can go and do your homework and and uh, and research all of this. Deuteronomy sixteen twenty one. Do not set up an asherah of any kind of wood next to the altar you will build for the Lord. In other words, we don't have hybrids. Yeah. And they would set up asherah so that they can tell the people that asherah was Yahweh's wife. Ooh. Because all of those other fallen deities have wives. Our God didn't have a wife. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot the Lord, their God, and worshiped the Baals and the Asherahs. This is the couple thing. This is the dating thing. This is the marriage and family thing. Okay? And so, and you can go, with Judges is full of it, and there, I mean, this goes on. And when you get to the prophets, it's just really, it's really scary. Uh, it's this many mentions, 40 times the Bible, Old Testament, discusses Asherah. When you research it, Asherah today is Astarte and Venus. You know, today is Cupid Day. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Venus. Uh. Venus is supposed to, I guess, have had a baby called Cupid. And so all of you Christians with your little, you know, let's celebrate. All of y'all hot date with somebody that's not your husband. Your dinner out is the, literally, is the fellowship and communion meal. And then your act, when you go back, You've got your wine and alcohol, which is your libation. And then you have your night of hot sex, which is your fertility ritual. I don't know about you, but that sounds crazy to me. And you do it, and you know what? And you'll meet somebody. You're going to do this with somebody you met last month so that you don't have to have nobody for um, Valentine's Day. Uh How is that calculated? Uh Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm going out oh, with it. Is. Well, right. I got to get my car, my candy, my yes. flowers, yes. Okay. and my free meal. And it's not free because you got to repay it with that. So it's not free. So I'm just, how are we doing here? Almost. I'm going to do one last thing because I think it's just so important. Rashida <laughs> said, ooh, we. Yeah, uh-huh. Because, you know, you got to, you've got to plan so that you won't be alone on Valentine's Day. After you got all your stuff from somebody, some person who just was so desperate like you not to be alone, y'all don't even talk to each other. Matter of fact, you don't even know if you're going to enjoy it. But you know you got to do it. Hey, at least you won't be alone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm Valentine's Day. So here's what the um, etymology dictionary says. Cupid, Roman god of passionate love, late from Latin Cupido, which is personification of Cupid, desire, love, passion, from cupidity to desire, see cupidity, identified with the Greek eros. Mm. Oh, yeah. Cupid's bow as a shape of especially lips. Top and bottom, I'm just saying. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, which lips are you talking about? Cupidity, now, eager desire to possess something. I did. 
cupidite, and directly from Latin cupidatum, which is a nominative passionate desire, lust, ambition from cupidus, eager, passionate from cupidity to desire. This is perhaps from the PIE or Proto-Indo-European root, coop, to tremble, to desire, and cognate with Sanskrit. See how old it goes back? Mm-hmm. Okay. Kupiati bubbles up, becomes agitated. It's an old church Slavic meaning to boil or boil over. Despite the primarily erotic sense of the Latin word in English, cupidity originally and still especially means desire for wealth. So you know y'all be sleeping with people for money. (laughs) (laughs) And cupidity brings us into the scripture word concupiscence. We read that in the King James that we hid and changed into something else. Ardent desire, improper or illicit desire, lustful feeling. Okay, and it goes on to say eager desire, and it goes on to add to be very desirous of and assimilated into to long for, used in the Vulgate, and it goes on to tell you, meaning uh, epithemia. Now, I just want you to understand that there's no way in the world you can have all of those fleshly definitions and say that it's approved of God. Mm. God and Eros don't have meetings. They don't sit down and, and, and discuss what we're going to do for Christmas, what we're going to do for Halloween, what we're going to do for um, Easter, what we're going to do for the Holy Spirit Sunday, right. Resurrection Sunday. They don't have those meetings. Remember, all that you all are venerating and fearing as Satan is about a fallen angel who lost his bid for power. Wow. His earth was his prison until God renovated it. That is why so many people have a sense of heaven and earth being on heaven and hell being on earth. How did I do? Wow. Oh, let me let me say because we only have a few minutes left. Next Thursday is Dr. Price's birthday. Yay! We will be here live on the Paula Price Show. For those of you who want to send anything alive, like flowers <laughs> and fruit. <laughs> Send it they to Price. Send it, they do. <laughs> send it to Price University. Don't send it to the 7107 address. Mm-mm. Send it to Price University. Well, they'll get take it to the front desk. She'll get it. It'll be great. It's wonderful. I just want to say anything alive <laughs> that you want her, that you want to be alive when she gets it, needs to be sent oh. to the. Yes, you can send whatever you want to the school, but for sure. The living side. For sure, the living things need to come here. If you have any other gifts you do want to send, you can send everything to Price University. It'll save Rachel a lot of trips. But uh, definitely the flowers and the fruit. I thank you all. No no dogs. Thank you all so much for listening to me. This has been a a really uh, long week for me. I've done several broadcasts. But this is a hot item for our our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I mean, I want you to recognize that when we say God, we mean the Godhead. And so we might need to start saying that as a differentiation for a moment because, you know, the enemy is quick to recoup. Yeah. And so, but um, I don't know what he's going to do with kid killing. That's a whole other thing. You know, but when you have a new move and you want people to snap people out of the doldrums and snap them out of the monotony that, that has lulled them to sleep and dulled their senses, you've got to use shock words. 
I say things that you are probably not hearing because I need to shock you out of your doldrums. You have heard all of the sweet words about it, and so much so that you better say, yeah. But see, when I start saying up in your behind, see, that scares you. What? <laughs> that ain't God. <laughs> but you know what? I wake you up. Jesus. You do wake up. You know, and so a lot of you all, you're so puritanical, you forgot that puritanical and sanctification are not one and the same. Oh, boy. So I use shock theology. I promise you, I deliberately, because especially when I go in those churches, oh, well, I don't do a lot of them anyway, but when those people start nodding out and carrying on, I, I, trust me, they wake up when I say things like that. Yeah, well. It's- they want to wake up. They're passing it on to Facebook. It's going through that, that, because you need to know what it is that Satan has mastered sugar-coated language that makes you feel that what you're doing is not that bad or that God will eventually love you for it. God's not going to love you for killing your kids. I'm going to tell you right now because he takes a personal offense to it. So we, I use that theology. I use those words because I'm going to shock you out of your doldrum and make you revisit some of the things you believe and some of the things that you thought were righteous and maybe hold your leaders, your church leaders, accountable for the error that they are disseminating in your soul that is risking your eternal life. Mm. So I, I take that approach on purpose, deliberately. Because I'm telling you, we got all of those, and don't let somebody have a nice lilting voice. And you know, I mean, I saw God understands, and it can, it really, even though it, abortion is not what God's best is, they are going to another place. No, they're not. And you need to stop thinking abortion is your unborn child's ticket to paradise. It is not. They need a body to get back into God's realm, and they need a life for him to judge. So you need to recognize that's where we are. And if pro-lifers really wanted to win this battle, they'd read their Bible and tell you the truth. Because it won't take long for you to realize, wait a minute, a Christian woman, if you're really Christian, you're not going to kill your baby. If you're teetering on decisions, you have another reason to make sure you don't kill your kids. You cannot be a Christian woman and you murder your kids. I'm telling you, well, you know, it's a mistake, or my mother made me do it or whatever, then you better get up there quickly and start getting into that repentance lane and start pulling your clothes down. Because once could be a mistake, two is a practice, and three is a habit. So you need to think about that. Anyway, if you still love me today, hallelujah, if you still love me today, then you can sow a seed to me. Really, so a seed because you know, good and well, I'm gonna need a lot of you all seeds to keep going with this. I'm telling you right now because you know, you got a lot of that evangelical doctrine that swears that everything is about salvation, and no matter what, in the end, God's gonna save everybody. If you've had an abortion, forced or not, you need to today repent and tell God, I did not know. All God wants you wants you to do is let him know you realize the error of your ways. You understand why it's more than a sin. It's an offense. Abortion is not just a sin. It's an offense, and it's a front to the God of life. You need to just tell God, I didn't know what I was doing. If I had it to do all over again, I wouldn't. I'm asking you to forgive me, cleanse me with the blood of the Lamb. I'm asking God that you would make me a vessel of your purity and your righteousness. And then begin to talk abstinence. Don't, don't, don't follow that, girl. 
put your purity ring back on, take it out the drawer, put it back on, because I know, and don't ship it, put it back on, and tell God, I will be a vessel of your glory and your honor. And I'm telling you, God delights in mercy. He is a forgiving God if you're a seriously penitent saint. You see, you have to be seriously penitent for God's forgiveness. If you just want to apologize, oops, I didn't know. Well, because I didn't know, I shouldn't have to repent. Are you kidding? You didn't know that that stoplight was there. When you ran it, you got a ticket. So you understand your knowledge is not the condition upon which you do suffer judgment. If you want to sow a seed to me, then uh, Prophet Adi is going to tell you how to do so. I would appreciate your seed. I bless those of you who sowed last week, and I'm going to bless those of you who sowed this week. Thank you so much because you understand money is a defense. You want to take care of me. You want this word to go. You want to protect this word. You need to sow your money because money is a defense. Prophet Adi. That's right. You can sow via PayPal, paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price. Her cash up handle is Dr. Paul Price in spaces. And then you can also sow via text to give 918-608-1378, 918-608-1378. You can do that. And Rachel's going to put that on the screen for you guys so that you can take notes. So cash app, Dr. Paul Price, paypal.me slash Dr. Paul Price, or text to give 918-608-1378. And before we go, share, 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 share. And then share some more. And if you need prayer because you just have to be able to shake this thing off of you or you you want to shake this abortion thing off of you, call my office, 877-419-1299. Ask for a uh, minister to, to uh, help me. Norma? Norma, yes. P.I.T. Norma, she is our prayer advisor. She will pray you through this because some people just can't shake it. If you can't, just call us. We will get somebody to pray you through and to get you to feel good about who you are in Jesus Christ. Because if you don't confess that guilt, it's going to eat you up anyhow. See you Sunday, Congregation of the Mighty.